Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Lowe. Larry Marcus earned his bachelor's degree from MTSU in 1970 and his master's degree in education from Cumberland University. Then he taught fifth and sixth graders for some 40 years. Now he has taken his love of American history and turned it into a book, United States History in Rhyme, an illustrated timeline of important historical events written in a rhyming format for youngsters of all ages. We'll leap through the pages after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. The MTSU Board of Trustees will hold its quarterly meeting on Tuesday, June 8th. The meeting is open to the public and will be held in the Miller Education Center, second floor meeting room at 503 East Bell Street, beginning at 1 p.m. The agenda includes reports from board committees, approval of items including minutes, tenure and promotion candidates, policy revisions and new policy, permanent appointment of university council, capital disclosures and submittal of capital maintenance projects, tuition, fees and housing rates, compensation, operating budgets, and appointment of new student and faculty trustees. And MTSU's Office of Research and Sponsored Programs has named administrators Dawn McCormick and Gregory Rushton as co-directors to lead efforts to support and promote faculty and student research across campus. The OSRP oversees everything related to research and sponsored activity at MTSU. It spans from the numerous research opportunities available to undergraduates through the Undergraduate Research Center to facilitating faculty grants and research projects. McCormick, who remains Associate Dean of the College of Graduate Studies, has been involved with research since she first arrived at MTSU more than a decade ago. Rushton, meanwhile, began work at the university in August of 2018 as the director of the Tennessee STEM Education Center to promote the academic areas of science, technology, engineering, and math. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Welcome, Larry. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Where did you teach fifth and sixth grades? I started in a two-teacher school in 1970, a little community in the west side of Lawrence County called Piney. Then I went to Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, and taught for 25 years at a school called West Highland, and then transferred to a school or consolidated into a school called Ingram South in Lawrenceburg. And the idea for this book started out as a play. Will you tell us about that and how it evolved from a play to a book? Well, around the turn of the century, the state finally began funding it, uh, music teachers. I was teaching fifth grade social studies and I had the idea that, well, these kids ought to learn some of these old historical and patriotic songs. And went to the music teacher and said, you know, will you put on a program? She said, yes, you get your songs together and we'll put on a program and I'll teach the kids the songs and we'll put on a program at the end of the year. And I began to gather the songs and I realized that, well, we need to write something in between each song as to what stimulated the next song, you know, what stimulated the person to have the idea to write this song. So I began to do that in essay form. And I got to Home on the Range and wrote about the Indians living on the plains and the farmers wanting more rain. And I realized that rhymes. 
And I thought, I ought to go back and rhyme two or three more of them. And we call our little play U.S. History and Song and Rhymes. And so I did that over about two years' time. I spent my whole idle time trying to dream up rhymes for each little different part of history. And we put that together then in a play. We added some characters to it as we began to find quotes from some of the different uh, leaders of the country, forefathers and such. And we put it together in a play and we put that play on then for about eight to 10 years at Ingram Sile at the end of the year. After the TCAP test were finished, it was a good filler to review American history and music and the children really enjoyed it. And we got some great responses from the audiences as when they come to the play. In fact, one time, one girl did such a good job of the Harriet Tudman that the audience just cried. Then I retired. Then I thought, I would try to write that up into a book. So that took about two or three years. The book is the product of that thinking and that work. Why did you think rhyming verse would be a good way to tell the stories of American history, that that would appeal to the kids? The number one thing on helping children remember things is repetition, of course. You know, do the reps, they call it. The next one, in my opinion, is rhyming. Anything that can be taught in rhyme will be remembered a lot longer than just laid out there as bare facts. When you, you know, I can remember a lot of things that rhyme, and I'm sure you can too that you learned that other facts that you just learned that they're just gone. You can't re even recall them. I just thought that'd be a great way to present the material. How, how did you decide which events and which people to include in the book? Basically just the forefathers and the main leaders and you know, all the, the people that was illustrated. It was written as a review for the fifth grade history. So the things that we had studied through fifth grade history and then in that time, the publishers moved the first part from the beginning of American history to Civil War to fourth grade. And then fifth grade picked up there after a short review and went on to the end up to present. A lot of the children, after we had taken the TCAP test, would say, I remember that on the been on the TCAP test. So the book was hitting, you know, the things that they wanted us to know. The, the, the reason I ask is because you couldn't possibly include every important thing or every important person that was part of American right. history. You had to right. be selective. We tried to select, you know, the most important ones for each event. And we were writing a review. Anyway, we just picked those people that we had studied. But your book is, is very inclusive. It does not exclude African-Americans. It includes them. It includes Native Americans. It includes President Obama. It features women. Uh, it's not uh, exactly the way American history was perhaps when you were growing up, certainly when I was growing up. No, it's not. Things have changed. Teaching has changed. The message of American history and the American dream still remains the same. And that story needs to be told. So this book is a great reminder. We need a reminder of what our country stands for. The original American dream was not to own a house on a piece of property. That dream was created and made possible by the original American dream that our forefathers set up in the American Constitution. Benjamin Franklin 
eloquently stated the original American dream, which is still the American dream, when he said, God grant that not only the love of liberty, but a thorough knowledge of the rights of man may pervade all the nations of the earth, so that a philosopher may set his foot anywhere on its surface and say, this is my country. It's obvious that that dream is still spreading through America as you listen to the news and you see these authoritarian countries or countries that are ruled by authoritarian government having protests. And then you see these, those same people trying to kill people that protest against them. Those authoritarian governments, the biggest enemy they have is not the American military, even though you know it is a great deterrent for them trying to spread their borders. The biggest enemy they have is the American Constitution. They don't want their citizens to have contact with the American Constitution or even the ideals of the American Constitution. They want to keep it from them as much as possible. That's obvious when you see, as we did in the Cold War, they have to build walls to keep their people in. As long as America is the oasis of freedom and the oasis of riches, immigrants are going to try to come to America. We'll take a break here. We'll be back in a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. MTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Larry Marcus is our guest. He is an MTSU alumnus who was a fifth and sixth grade teacher for about 40 years or so, and the author of United States History in Rhyme, an illustrated book that uh, depicts some of the important events and people in American history. Did you have a particular age group in mind when you put this book together? Uh, you taught fifth and sixth grade, but were you looking to try to make it inclusive of the younger children as well, or the older children as well? What age range did you envision? Well, the age range would be from preschool through college, basically. If a college student memorized this book, then they would have be well-grounded in American history for the rest of their life. My fantasy, my greatest fantasy for this book is that the education community will pick this book up as an introduction to American history. And somebody will write, or print big books that a preschool teacher will sit in front of the room and hold up and read and show them the pictures those young preschool minds are going to pop up and say, what's 1492? Uh, who was Columbus? And that's a, a great way to introduce them, you know, to the discovery of America. And not only will it introduce them to the discovery of America, but it, the teacher, which they have a globe at hand, will be an introduction for them to show, well, this is the shape of the world. And this is why Columbus thought he could sail west 
And you know, he was a man that didn't think the world was flat. Began at preschool age, teaching these kids these basic facts about American history. They won't remember them all, but if you do it again in the first grade, kindergarten and in the first grade and second grade, then they will be well-founded. The need for that was obvious on January the 6th. These people that broke into the Capitol, I remember one of them saying, well, while we're here, we need to set up a government. The first question that popped in my mind is, why don't you? I knew the answer, but you've got to ask the question first. And then the answer is, you don't have a better government to set up. You can't think of a better government to set up than what you've already got. But they didn't understand their government because they were not well-founded and they haven't been reminded over the years. And they're not tried to remind themselves of what the American dream is and what the American story is and what people have sacrificed to get this American story. We have to continue to remember that this American story is very small in comparison to the history of the world. And it's still just a drop of water. It's just getting started. I mean, some of these governments and authoritarian governments is the way the world's been ruled nearly constantly since it began thousands and thousands of years. And here we've got a group of men that came together. And I'm still amazed at how, you know, you could get that many intelligent men, successful people that ambitious at that, who get together and agree on these principles that they agreed on. You can't get that now in Washington, can you? They can't even agree on a uh, the creation of a commission to investigate the January 6th insurrection. That's right. And, you know, it seems like they're more wanting to tear down the country than they are to build it up and move it forward. I don't, I'm not trying to be political. Those men did what's not being done now. You know, they compromised, they talked together, they shared their differing views, and they found the middle ground. And that middle ground gave us what we have now. Where did your love of American history come from? You must have had some particular teachers in your lifetime who were influential with you and who inspired you. In the fourth grade, I found from the library that we had, it was called a bookmobile. It wasn't in the school. It was a little panel truck that came around once a month and you could go out and return the books you got the week before or the month before and get some more. I found the, these little books called Blue Books, and you were there. And then they had written one about every American character, and I just fell in love with those books and started reading them all, you know, constantly. And then in eighth grade, my eighth grade teacher, Mr. Alf Green was his name, handed me the book, uh, The Balkan Bird Sing at Chickamauga, which was the first historical novel I wrote, I read, excuse me. <laughs> And I fell in love with historical novels and then just kept expanding my reading throughout that. So it was just a matter of, I don't, you know, you just fell in love with all these people. I lived, I was raised out in the country uh, on a dirt farm in Lawrence County. Most of the land was woods. So I roamed the woods. I began hunting at 10 years old. And I could relate to Donald Boone and Davy Crockett and these people such as Sam Houston and the way they lived, or at least fantasize of living the way they lived. And it just grew on me over the years. And then teaching it was the ideal situation to be able to teach that to other kids. Every 
fifth grader needs to have to memorize the American creed. It says, I believe in the United States of America as a government of the people, by the people, for the people, whose just powers are derived from the consent of the governed. A democracy and a republic, a sovereign nation of many sovereign states, a perfect union, one and inseparable, established upon those principles of freedom, equality, justice, and humanity for which American patriots sacrificed their lives and fortunes. I therefore believe it is my duty to my country to love it, to support its constitution, to obey its laws, to respect its flag, and to defend it against all enemies. And this was written by William T. Page and adopted uh, by the House of Representatives as the official American creed on April 3rd, 1918. If everybody, every citizen, every student of American public schools and private schools also would memorize that in the fifth and eighth grade, it would give them a foundation of what American citizenship is all about. Something to think on when they started thinking about, you know, we need to overthrow this government. Why do we need to overthrow this government? What better government are you gonna set up if you overthrow this government? And all of these views need to be brought together and discussed, you know, and compared against the feelings of the American people and the majority of the American people. You know, how does the majority agree with you or do they disagree? And then those people need to think, you know, well, if 90% of the people don't agree with me, then I must be going down the wrong path. Ronald Reagan said, freedom is not the sole prerogative of a chosen few. Freedom is the universal right of all God's children. And that hits it on the head. This freedom we have in America is the universal right of even those people that live in those authoritarian government countries. They just can't get what we've got. And it's just hard for me to understand people that live in America wanting to give it up for something else. You know, it's like, what else? And just like I said, they didn't know what to set up when they said we ought to set us up a government. We'll take another break here. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Experiential Learning Scholars Program at MTSU gives students a chance to go outside the classroom and obtain hands-on experience in their chosen fields of study. They'll have the opportunity to give something back to the community through service learning as they gain acceptance for graduate study. Students should be able to select EXL-designated courses from major requirements and general studies requirements to complete the 16 to 18 hours of EXL coursework. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Larry Marcus is our guest. He's the author of United States History in Rhyme, which is an illustrated book uh, 
uh, depicts some of the people and events that are important in American history. Uh, he's an MTSU alumnus and a former fifth and sixth grade teacher. Did the kids below the fifth grade level learn much about American history or do the schools wait until they get a little bit older to introduce the subject to them? I'm not sure, but when we would get them, they didn't seem to know much. Uh, so I don't know that there's a lot written, but now my second grade grandson is studying some things about, you know, he studied about the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. So maybe they're moving it down to lower grades more than I thought there was or have been, but with the testing program that we have now as our schools being a testing center, well, they you know center on and prioritize reading and math. Nothing wrong with that. Every child needs a solid foundation in reading and math, but you can't spend your whole day in reading and math. So, you know, they need to get off on some of these other things. And that's why I think my book would be in on it. wouldn't take up a lot of time. It's just a small book. I can read it as slow as I read in 30 minutes. I've timed myself before. So some people could read it in 15. But uh, you know, a preschool teacher would want to read it over a period of days, one or two pages a day. And as it came up through the grades. So just all I say is, you know, wish me luck that I can get it in the American education community and get them to accept my book. The pictures in your book are really, uh, really pretty. Who was your illustrator? We found Westbow Press, who an acquaintance of ours, that, whose husband worked for uh, Thomas Nelson, which is headquartered there in Nashville. And she referred us you know, to Thomas Nelson. When we called their number, they referred us to Westbow Press as their affiliate that deals with self-publishing. And there's a big difference between self-publishing and uh, traditional publishing. The traditional you know, uh, books and those authors, they pay them before they write the book. But a self-publisher has to write the book and then pay somebody to publish the book. But they will do, or at least Westbow Press led us through step by step. Once we got in touch with them, signed a contract with them to publish our book, they sent us everything. They were open to any telephone calls. There was no limit to how much time they would spend with us for the, without paying any extra money. And so anytime we had a question, we could either email or call and get answers to our question. And they led us all the way through to now helping us even with the promotion of the book to some degree or giving us the ideals of promotion of the book. So uh, that's how we put it together. Elementary education has changed so much over the course of your career. What do you think has been the most important development? It's hard to say. <laughs> it has changed. Uh, what about all this digital technology? Do you think that kids would like to have your book in some sort of a digital form for a they, tablet or an ebook or something like that? I, they probably would. Uh, it might help if they had it that way. The, uh, my philosophy from the beginning with education is education is a brain training exercise. Now, 
we have to figure out how to train, get them to train their brains. Uh, that's the motivation part. So if digital would help them train their brains, and that's what they're tuned into now, that would be great. I'm not in a position to afford to hire anyone to put my book in a digital form yet. So, no, but you know what I mean. Kids great, are addicted. Sir. Kids are addicted to their phones these days. Oh, I know. You've, you've I, seen I, it. I understand that. Maybe the schools can provide them a digital form. <laughs> I can get them to accept my book. Do you intend to write any more books like this? Uh, this one will have to pay for itself first. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to get my money back on this, but, but uh, yes, I have an idea of something that would need to be and ought to be published in a simple form like this on the government of how the government works. I, you know, a lot of these people, and especially those people that stormed Washington, I don't think they know how the government works. They don't understand the you know, full details of how government works. You know, and how the voting system works, you know, how secure it is. And that needs to be told in a story. And it needs to be told in a story that doesn't take three hours to read. You know, don't need to be a 300-page book. It needs to be something that somebody can sit down and read and see in 30 minutes to an hour. The book that is out right now is United States History in Rhyme, and the author is a proud MTSU alumnus, Larry Marcus. Thank you for writing the book and thank you for taking time to be with us on MTSU on the Record. Well, thank you for having me. We'll be right back. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There's no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brownback series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Stephanie Barrett has the middle moment. Two MTSU alumni were recently recognized for their teaching and leadership excellence by Rutherford County Schools. Stephanie Edgel, a teacher at Christiana Elementary School, won the Teacher of the Year Award. She shared about the moment she received the title and how MTSU helped prepare her for a career in the classroom. So to win Teacher of the Year was very exciting, overwhelming, and humbling. Um, I think every teacher deserved it this year, along with every other year. Uh, but it was announced to me in a surprise over the intercom and with my students and they went crazy like we had just won the Super Bowl and they were all trying to give hugs and cheers and I was doing everything I could not to cry so it was a wonderful experience. I was able to take the strategies we were learning in the classroom 
at school or MTSU and implement them in my classroom the very next day. And so it was that real life experience that you want when you're student teaching, but it was my classroom. And I could come back and share that with my peers and get feedback and make changes. So it was amazing. That's MTSU on the record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University is produced by the university's marketing and communications office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.